let me just, before we even take another step, let me just simply say this. Today, if you are stressed out or tired out or worried out about money, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, because we are four weeks into a journey of, I would just say it like this, of doing money different. And I even believe this, I was thinking about this earlier, I think there's a lot of us who don't even realize it yet, but we're actually already in the middle of a revolution in our lives financially, and we don't even, we don't even realize it. Like God's already starting to do something here yet. Um, and, and let me just say this, I know that a lot of us get funny when it comes to money in church, and I get it, but if you'll just hang with us, hopefully you'll begin to realize we're not like one of those churches Right, anybody come from one of those churches? You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, we're not one of those churches, but here's the deal. So you're like, why are you talking about money? Because Jesus talks about money a lot. In fact, we've been a part, you know, we're in a, uh, this is the uh, fourth week of a journey through money, but that's really because it's part of a year-long journey through the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon that was ever preached, Jesus kind of, at the, at the end of Matthew 6, spends an inordinate amount of time talking about money. Why? Because he knows the power of money in our lives. So he talks about it. So here's, let's just do this. Let's talk about it. All right, so last week we ended off on Matthew uh, chapter six, verse 24. And I just wanna pause right here because today we're picking up in verse 25. And here's what it says. Here's what it says. This is, this is really important for us. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Pause, pause. How many of you like that? You're like, oh, I could just, can we just camp out on that for a few minutes? No, but here's the deal. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. Whenever you're reading your Bible and you come across a therefore, stop. Right, like don't pass go, don't collect $200, just stop. Because therefore is what's called a conjunction. All right, it's a transition statement. It's, it's connecting what happened before it to what's about to happen after it. In fact, let me, let me just say, let me just kind of give you like a little pastor note here. Um, this is actually, the therefore is why I don't read the NLT version of the Bible anymore. I actually kind of like the NLT version of the Bible, but the NLT version cuts out all the, tra all the transitions. So what happens, I guarantee if you're reading this, it feels like what's about to happen, beginning here in verse 25, is a brand new thought. It's not connected to anything else. But there's a therefore. Everybody say therefore. Here's the importance of a therefore. Some of you are like, I don't care about the therefore. Okay, just imagine you walk up, all right, and there's a girl, and she's like, well, therefore, I cut his tires. <laughs> and you're like, I'd really like to hear what happened before the therefore, right? So let's hear what happened before the therefore, because if Jesus is therefore, don't worry, I wanna know what happened before the therefore, Right, so here's what happened before the therefore. There's six verses that we spent the last three weeks on, and here it is, Matthew 6, verse 19, very famously. Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And here's what we've talked about, right? That every single one of us has what's called a telos or a treasure or this picture of the good life or this painting, even maybe like a fuzzy painting of where we want to go in life. And we need to kind of pause and evaluate if that's really the right goal, because here's the deal. If our goal is really to accumulate a lot of stuff here on earth, then what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend all of our money storing up treasures here on earth so that at the very end of our life, we have nothing. But if we can actually understand that a real home is in heaven with God, then it begins to reshape how I use my money here because now I wanna use my money here to help other people get there. And I start storing up treasures in heaven, right? So then we move on, all right? The next verse, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. And here's what we talked about. Is there, there was kind of like a Jewish phrasing of the time that if you had healthy eyes or good eyes, then you had generous eyes, a generous life. But if you had bad eyes or unhealthy lives, or, or eyes, then you had an unhealthy life. In other words, you were stingy. So good eyes equals generous, bad eyes equal greedy. And what happens is, is when we actually begin to get good eyes through Christ, instead of just being blind and having bad eyes and our whole life and all of our spending and all of our whole life is just about us four and no more, what happens is when I actually begin to get good eyes and God's eyes, my whole life opens up. Everything goes from black and white to color. Now I actually walk around looking for how I can be a blessing to the world around me. And I personally, I wasn't here last week. I was, I was up with Hamilton Mill. And so I didn't get to say this to you guys personally. I just wanna say this. All right, so two weeks ago, um, we, we said, hey, after that message on generous and good eyes, uh, we, we kind of paused and said, hey, we got some really cool things that we need to look at and have good eyes for here. And so just in one week, literally in the span of one week, we collected $150,000 to completely transform our special needs spaces up here to minister to more families. I just wanna say thank you for that. I want you to hear that from me, like, thank you. That's, I love being a part of a church that has good eyes, that sees what God sees and responds the way that God responds, right? And then last week, okay, we, we moved on and we said this, no one can serve two masters. This is what Jesus says. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, that, that word for money in the Greek is mammon. You can't serve God and mammon, you gotta pick. And here's the deal, we know this, most of the world picks mammon. Most of the world picks money. 99% of the people in the world trade their body, their life, and their family for money, right? But because of Christ, we can break off the spirit of money off of our lives and we can do money Different. Come on, everybody, say break free. free. That's what we're about, right? So here, let's connect the dots. Because my home is in heaven and I'm storing up there, because I have good eyes and I'm generous, because I've broken the spirit of money off of my life and now I'm free, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Come on, somebody. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Woo! All right, anybody notice a recurring word that I just so happened to bold and change the color of? (laughs) Worry! Right, worry. Jesus right here is punching worry in the nose, and he's saying, do not worry. Worry, And here's, here's the big idea. Because I've learned to begin seeing money God's way and handling money God's way and thinking about money God's way, and I begin to trust in God in, in, in different ways, now I don't have to worry about my life. I don't have to worry about my life. Now, let's just say something, okay? Doesn't that sound great? You're like, Jesus, that's so sweet. That sounds, you're, you're so nice. That sounds great. But can we be honest really quick? How many of us kind of feel like I'm kind of doing it God's way, but I still have a whole lot of worry in my life? Like, I kind of feel like I'm doing money God's way, but I I still feel like I have a lot of worry in my life. (sighs) Well, here's the deal. I have good news for you today because God does not want you to worry perpetually about your finances. Right? He doesn't want you to live pay, paycheck to paycheck. He doesn't want you to worry about when the economy is gonna drop, when, when the bottom's gonna drop out of the stock market, when, when this is gonna collapse or that is gonna collapse, your job security. He's not gonna, he doesn't want you to worry about can you make your ends meet at the end of the month. He's not wanting want you to worry about can I, can I actually pay off my credit cards this month. He doesn't want you to live like that. God does not want you to worry. Can we personalize it? Say, God doesn't want me to worry. Can we say it one more time? God doesn't want me to worry. So if a lot of us kind of feel like we're doing it God's way, but we're still worrying about money, could it be that Jesus still has a little bit more to teach us here in Matthew 6 that we haven't quite learned yet about doing money God's way? And let's talk about it, okay? Today, here's what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about how to close the door on worry. Here's the first way. I gotta change my language. I gotta change my, okay, 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 okay. Just, just bear with me, okay? This is a trigger in my life, all right? Um, have you ever been like up late at night watching a, you know, and you, like 3 a.m. and you find yourself watching like an infomercial? You're like, how did I become this person, all right? Or you, maybe you're scrolling Amazon and it's like prime day, and all of a sudden, these words, these, these, these terrifying words come out of your mouth where you're like, I need that. Right? Like, how many of you got the thigh master at home? Because you just needed it. You know, like, I need this. I need this. Right? I, got, I still have the Tybo DVDs. Come on, somebody. <laughs> how many, like packs of like protein powder and miracle fix it and you got your pearl cream at home 
You're like, I need this. I need this. Right? How many of you, like, you got suckered in to the knife that can cut through 48 aluminum cans and still slice a tomato so thin? So thin. How do they do that? I need one of those. My current knives are not sufficient. I need to be able to laser beam, you know, through, through roast beef. Like, what? And, and then, honestly, guys, this is, what, this is one of my triggers in my home. My family knows this. Don't you dare say, I need that, right? Why? We could, this is what we do. Like, like I, I need the video game. I need the clothes. I need the car. I need the thing. And my response always is, you don't need that. You want that. Totally different. And I always say something like this. Are you going to die? Are you actually going to just keel over and die right now if you don't get that? If not, you don't need that. High empathy in my home. High empathy in my home. <laughs> and here, here's, I think this is what's important for us, okay? Right, right here off the top is we need to understand. This is how we need to change our language. Needs are not wants and wants are not needs. Needs are not wants and wants are not needs, okay? I know it feels like you're going to die, kids, without the new Fortnite season. I know it feels like, oh, I need that app. I need that social media. I'm gonna die. I need it. No, you don't, right? I need a phone. I was talking to somebody the other day and their kids are teenagers. I need a phone. And he's like, okay, I'll go t- take you to go get a phone. And they're like, no, 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 no. Because he's gonna get them the phone that he thinks that they need, which is a little flip phone. So I can call you. No, no, no. Because kids don't want a phone for a phone. They want a phone so they can do the other stuff on the phone. You know what I'm saying? And we, I need that. I know it feels like you're gonna die if you don't get the, the latest Nike drop or the December to remember car event and the Lexus with the bow on it. Like I know it feels like that. But I promise you you're gonna make it if you don't get it. And, and because here's kind of the thought, guys. At the end of the day, when we really think about it, there's not a whole lot we need. There is, however, a whole lot we want. And that's why we need to be careful about our language and not confuse wants and needs. Here's why it's important, okay? I'm gonna get to why this is actually important. Some of you are like, you're a stickler. No, 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 this is actually important. I wanna read what Jesus just said here in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need. Everybody say need. Need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Come on, church people. I didn't get nearly enough amen. Seek first the kingdom. Right? How many of y'all, like that's your favorite verse in the Bible? You say it a thousand times a day. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Woo! Vacation home. Woo! Luxury car. Woo! Come on. New of this, pow, 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 claiming it, naming it. Pow, 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 pow. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom, bringing it in, adding. I'm God's favorite. Stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks. Like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> How many of y'all have ever heard this? Hey, just, just read your Bible, seek God, and God will take care of everything else. That is so broken. That's not what Jesus is saying. And here's the deal, guys. The Matthew 6, is one of the most misinterpreted verses in the entire Bible. Take it out of context all the time. And, and I hate to rain on your parade. In fact, one of my seminary professors used to say this about a lot of different verses. He would say, he would say, Johnson, there's enough verses in the Bible 
that say what you're wanting to say without taking this verse out of context to make it say what you want it to say. Like, because what happens is we hear teaching over here and we're like, oh, that's what this verse means. No, 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 no. Read it in context. Read it in context, right? Because here's what Jesus says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. What are these things? Let's put, can, can we actually put that back up there? That, that verse just back up there, uh, Matthew 6, 31. Can we put that back up there just for a second? Um, what we're gonna eat, what we're gonna drink, what we're gonna wear, why? Because you need those things. And God will give you those things when you seek him first. So what Jesus is saying, if you focus your life on living for God, he'll make sure you have food in your stomach, drink in your mouth, and clothes on your back. Because your heavenly father knows you need those things. Right? Here, some of you are like, oh, it doesn't even talk about a house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know who didn't have a house? Jesus. But other people did. Come on, think about it, right? We quote this verse a lot around here. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for food. <laughs> food. Do you, I mean, in the Lord, in the Old Testament, it wasn't, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for a Ferrari. Come on, somebody. Like, God will give you those things. No, 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 listen. Why do I stress all this? Because God promises to meet your needs. God does not promise to meet all your wants. So you're gonna have to fix your, your, your little, little theology thing that says if you read your Bible, God promises to give you a G-Wagon. <laughs> and probably more accurately, listen, I'm, I'm making a point of this. Here's what we do. We say, we, we take the verse, if I say first kingdom, he's gonna give me everything I need and everything I want. And, and so we say, we go and buy this thing and then we name it and claim it that somehow against all odds, God's gonna bring enough provision into our life to be able to afford this thing. Now here's the thing. Here's another really good thing with theology, guys. It can't be true for you if it's not true for them, whoever them is. So does your theology work for our Christian brothers and sisters in Rwanda? Does your theology work for our Christian brothers and sisters on the outside of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, dying of starvation in a civil war? If it doesn't, then our interpretation is wrong. Listen. God has promised to meet my needs. I'm trying to name and claim my greeds. And what happens is, this is why this is so important, is because we end up overextending ourselves financially and we buy things that we really don't need because surely God wants his kids to have the best. And now we're in trouble and now we're stressed out and now we're worrying. And what do we do? We blame God for it. We say, God, you're not doing your part. God, you promised to do this. God, you promised it. You, you said that if I join a small group, <laughs> you can give me everything I need in my life, right? Well, I, I just had to cancel my Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> I am forsaken, right? I am suffering persecution right now. I don't even know if I can make it. I'm not blessed. God, would you keep your end of the deal? I can't even afford this car. I can't even afford that downtown condo. I can't even afford these things. What, where are you, God? And I, I sometimes, honestly, guys, I think God is sitting in the back of the room at the Oscars, and he's like, 
You better keep my name out of your mouth. Listen, you got food in your belly? You have drink in your mouth? You have clothes on your back? Bro, I kept my word. I kept my word. I kept my word. I never promised to provide for all that other stuff. I provide for your needs, and yes, I, I, sometimes I surprise you, and I bring even more into your life so that you can steward that well to get some of your wants. But listen, if you're stressed out and worried out about money, it's not because of me, it's because of you and how you spend. Why? Because needs are not wants and wants are not needs. So we need to check our language. Because if we're not careful, what we'll end up doing is we'll take a verse out of context and then accuse God with it. And God's like, I never promised to do all these things. I promised to do these things, to give you everything you need. So could I begin living a life of pausing and evaluating, do I really need this? Or is it that I want this, right? Because God promises to meet our needs, not our wants. How do we begin closing the door on worry? First thing is we gotta check our language and change our language. Here's the second thing is we gotta embrace contentment. Gotta embrace contentment. Why? Because God provides for what we need. We go after what we want, okay? So what do we need? We need calories in our stomach. Let's take it all the way down. We need calories in our stomach. What do we want? We want DoorDash. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, this is way too real. Like you are all up in my business right now. Um, In fact, so my my older son, Jeremiah, he's going to college this year. And so I'm thinking a lot about like how I went to college. And so I was talking to, to my younger son, Isaac, about this last night, who always wants DoorDash. Like, of course, who wouldn't want a limitless supply of 5,000 calorie meals full of sugar and salt? And, um, and I, w- I was just recalling, I said, dude, I was on a budget in college. And so every, like, this, was, this was my meal for four years, actually three years after I got off the food plane in freshman year and gained like 80 pounds. Um, and actually got into an apartment. Um, I, I would go to Publix and I would buy the dollar beans and rice. Thanks. That was three years of my life. I pretty much, and I'd save like a little bit. I ate for like $1.50 a day for three. I probably, and I was telling him this. I was like, I'm not stretching this. I probably went out to eat maybe three times, maybe four times in all of college. Like, because I didn't have any money, right? And, and, And so you do it different, what do you need and what do you want? They're two different things. So I, I need calories. What do I want is DoorDash. What do I need? I know, I, here's what I'll just say. It is fall flavor season, so we do need our PSL. We need our pumpkin spice latte. Um, <laughs> no, what do we, we need moisture in our mouth. What do we want? Pellegrino on our table. <laughs> we, we need clothes on our back. What do we want? I heard somebody say this the other day. If it ain't Dior, I ain't walking out the door. <laughs> right? Needs, what do we want? Dish TV. Want designer, not Walmart. Want the new and the grace. Want putting vacation on credit. Want, 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 want. Now, here's the deal. Let me just say this. I want to say this very loud so everybody understands this. Wants aren't a bad thing. Wants aren't a bad thing. God's okay with you having things that you want. Okay, but here's what I need to say very clearly. It's the pursuit of wants that bring worry. 
You'll never be worried about your needs. You'll always be worried about your wants. And it's buying the wants that causes worry in your life. Listen, God, God's okay with you having stuff. God's a good father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. You'll notice God, like God never rebukes David for having a lot in the Old Testament, right? Like um, God's, God's not mad you bought that third pair of shoes. God, God never calls Christians to have a forced vow of poverty, any of those sorts of things, right? But we need to understand that 99% of what we're stressing out about is because of things we wanted and we overextended ourselves, Right, we bought off more than we could chew. And here's, here's, the, here's the, the, the carried on. If we don't bring our wants under control, that's when we'll have to worry about our needs. Right, because you buy, uh, you know, you have a certain style of life, and so you buy a car like this, and you get a, a, a condo or an apartment or a house like that, and you start living right here, and then there's layoffs, and now you can't afford the monthly payments, and now you're worried about how you're gonna eat. But there is a way to live life without worry. And the way to a life without worry is through this one word, contentment. And I know all the Americans are in the room are like, I never heard that word before. Like, what? what's this content? Con- is that French? Is that a French word? Like, what? contentment. We, we don't understand that word. Why? Because our culture pushes us towards certain cultural norms. Okay, I'm just gonna, I, some of you are like, I've never even thought about this, but it's so simple. Let me, let me just say this, guys. You understand that there's nothing requiring you to have your own place. There's nothing requiring you to have your own car. So we're like, well, to do the things, I need that. Okay, well. But did you, need, did you need that car? All right. And what happens is we end up trying to keep up with the Joneses and we overextend ourselves, even in some of the simple things. Like, listen, guys, I, I just want to say this so you hear this from me. Anybody trying to buy something right now, I'm sorry. Right? If you're trying to buy a house or even a car or something like, dude, mortgage and, and the interest rates are crazy, crazy right now. I am sorry. But you know what? That's why we have budget coaches around here. Go ask some questions. Go ask them, well, I need this. I, I listen to condo and I don't know, there's 15 other offers on it. I'm just gonna offer 50,000 above. I know I can't afford it, but I gotta have it. Ah. What if one thing changes in your life on the other side of that purchase? Now you're stressed out, worried about, worried about working side jobs. Now your family's suffering. Now your health is suffering. Now you got ulcers. God doesn't want you to live like that. Why? Because it's this thing called contentment. And we don't live in a culture that, that talks about that. Why? Because there's always another iPhone. There's always another version of the car. There's always more of the clothes. There's always more of this. Or even, even this, just, just walk through the grocery store later. And here's what you're gonna see on the shelf. New and improved. Charmin toilet paper. Every time I'm like, how do they do it? I mean, these guys are working around the clock. It used to be two ply, then it was four, and now it's like 78 ply. It's like, this is one sheet of toilet paper. You're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But why? Because we're hardwired to say, if it's new, it's better, therefore I need it. And we, over, and we end up overextending ourselves and then we end up living a life of worry because we were robbed of contentment, 
right? And I understand we live in a culture where it's very hard to be content. And that's why Paul writes this. Paul writes this in, uh, in Philippians 4.12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being, everybody say, content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Why? Because I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I hate, to, I hate to burst two theological bubbles that you may have had. There's another verse we all take out of context. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I put it on my eye black in a football game. Okay, sure, sure. Okay, sure. God helps you to play football better. Sure, okay. But the real context of this, the real context of this, I'm gonna challenge you, I'm gonna challenge you. Paul was really saying that God gives him strength to be poor. It's not what my Bible says. It's a blessing, highly favored. Yeah, yeah, blessing, highly favored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament knows more about being blessed and highly favored than we do. And he said that Christ has given me strength to be poor. Jesus didn't have a ton. Neither did the disciples. Neither does 80% of Christians in the world. Yet they're blessed. Do you understand this? Even if you don't have very much, you are still blessed and highly favored. The amount that you hold in your hands does not determine how blessed you are. Listen, Christ also gave Paul strength to be wealthy. Some of you are like, that's the one I want. That one. But Paul got both. Why? Because Christ had given him the strength to deny his flesh not get all the things that he wanted to and to simply be content in every situation that he found himself in. Here's the question, guys. Can you be content with a roommate? Now, don't answer that because you're like, no, none of us wants a roommate. Come on, somebody. Like, but could Christ do such a work in your life that, listen, my bills just got cut in half or in thirds, right? Could you be content with not a new car? Could you be content with the last version of the iPhone? Could you be content with one TV subscription, not 12? Could you be? Because you might need to be. And here's how we start moving in that direction is through this thing called contentment. And, and let, me, let me just kind of break it out. I wanna spend another minute on this, okay? We call this living in the circle of blessing. And here's, here's, where, we, here's where we pull it from, okay? This idea, Psalm 25. Um, it's in the, the, the Living Bible. Where's the man who fears the Lord? God will teach him how to choose the best. He shall live within God's circle of blessing and his children will inherit the earth. Okay, here's, here's, um, <coughs> here's how we talk about this, okay? Let's put this first, first graphic up. Um, I, I wanna give you uh, a, a challenge, if I can say it like this. I wanna give you a practice. I wanna give you an exercise for something to do when you go home, all right? I want you to go home and I want you to write out all the things you want in life. Okay, and this is not a dream board. This is not new age. You're not gonna manifest any of these things. I promise you that. Listen, okay. I, I want you with a clean conscience to write down, sit before the Lord, allow him to trim your list and say, God, now, now these are the things that I feel like you wanna bring into my life that you wanna bless me with, okay? Write those things down, okay? I'm not saying this is like the Bible, but I'm saying like, hey, really examine that. Put that before the Lord, Lord, because this is the practice. This is ultimately the practice, okay? Is that when you finish that list, 
and you say, God, are you okay with me having these things that are on this list? Okay, draw a circle around it and say, that's enough. So in, inside that circle right there, that's, that's you put, put a little dot, put the car, put a little dot, put the house, put a little bit, I mean, this is the stuff right here, okay? And draw a circle around it. Okay, now, because here's what's gonna happen, okay? As you begin going through life, God's gonna begin slowly adding these things. As you begin stewarding your money, not living a life of debt, doing things responsibly, God will start prospering you over time, okay? And bringing these things into our life. Now, here's the practice. Here's the real discipline of this, okay? As God continues to prosper you and as that circle finally gets filled up, your pledge and your vow before the Lord is, as you continue to prosper me, my circle won't get bigger, my generosity will. Which Kate takes us to the second, uh, the second idea. Okay, so as you're, you're, as the Lord continues to prosper you, you draw a circle around it and say, "That's enough. I've got enough." Now I know this is crazy. Okay, we actually begin arriving at this place where we're intentionally living beneath our means. I'm purposely. People don't know how to do this. They're like, because here's what happens: as our circle, this is what most people do. As our circle gets bigger. I mean, as, as our income gets bigger, our circle gets bigger. Our life gets bigger. Our wants get bigger. Everything continues. Therefore, the more that comes in, my, my, my um, standard of living just continually keeps expanding, 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 right? But imagine living a life like this. Imagine that you've actually capped in you, you, your life and you said, this is enough. What I have is actually enough, right? Now, as the Lord continues to bless you, now you have the ability to give an inheritance to your kids, now you have the ability to actually have money on hand walking around looking to be generous to people. Now you have the ability to, 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 to support things and bless, bless people. I mean, imagine, this is the life where worry can't touch you because you've saved up, you've stored up, you've been, a, you've been a good steward of these things, right? You're purposely living beneath your means so that what happens when God continues to increase you, you here's what most people do. They say, no, nah, I don't want that car anymore. I want that car. I don't want that house anymore. Now I can afford this house. But what would happen if we actually capped right here so as the Lord continues to increase us, we can now be generous with that money. But what most of us don't do that, our circle just continues getting bigger to the point we get to this next one. And this is where most of us live. Like it just, it just starts getting edged out. Most of us live on razor thin margins. I'm just gonna be honest about that, right? Most of us kind of live in that paycheck to paycheck. Most, because as, as more has come in, our, our, our standard of living just keeps on getting a little bit bigger. Buy another one of those. I don't wanna live here. I wanna live there. I don't wanna drive that. I wanna drive this. I, I don't wanna go to vacation there. I wanna go to vacation there, right? And everything just gets a little bit bigger. And, and we thought, you know, that we were making more, so we be able to bless more, but that actually hasn't happened. Now we're just living on these razor thin margins to the point where some of us get to this, this next one. And this, this may look a little confusing to you, but here's the idea, is that we're actually living in debt now. Because this, this is how it's possible to make more than you've ever made and be in debt more than you've ever been. You ever found yourself in that place? You're like, how am I in debt? I'm making more than I've ever made. It's because your circle just kept getting bigger. And now you hear calls to give and you're like, I can't give. I see somebody in my family who needs help. I can't help them. Why? Because I've spent all of the, that God brought into my life on me. And culture says this is okay. This is debt life. Culture says this is okay. But we know it's not okay because it's robbing us of joy and is bringing worry into our life. And let me just say this, guys, about this. Is that most, of, I don't think most of us are as generous as we wanna be. And that's not because we're terrible people. That's because most of us have made terrible decisions with our money. 
And we have a terrible mindset when it comes to our money and we're in over our head and we don't know how we're gonna dig out of this debt hole that we find ourselves in. Why? Because we haven't been living content. And what happens is then we hear about things we wanna give to. We hear about this, we hear about that. I even say this, I hear people all, all the time. They're like, hey, I know, I've been in church, I'm hearing this, this thing. I, I, I know God has convicted my heart about tithing. I need to start tithing, but I can't tithe. And when you actually pull the curtain back, sure you can't tithe because you order DoorDash five times a week. And you have 10 subscription TV services. And you bought the car that was three times more car than you actually needed. Why? Because I wanted to live out here. And what happens is we live so big and we're not content. And so we live outside of even our ability to live, our, our ability to bless, our ability to pay for it. But what would happen if we got to this, that, that, that second slide that we put up here? What would happen if we actually came back to this place? Listen, this is so encouraging to me. Just a few weeks ago on that message about good eyes, and we, we, all the campuses had different projects. And I know of at least three people, okay? One person gave um, 21000 one person gave 30000 one person gave $50,000 to, to pr different projects at different campuses. And I hear that, and I'm so challenged by that. Listen, I, it has been a, a, a kind of like a... a, a desire of my life. One day, I can't do it today, but one day, I want to pay for a single mom's kid to go to college. I want to do that, right? I, I, I personally, I just say, I feel like God put that desire in my heart. I want to do that. Our culture does not paint a picture of being able to do that, but the kingdom culture does. The kingdom culture does, and that is what the gift of godly contentment looks like. When I'm not always living at my max, I'm actually intentionally living beneath my means. So now I actually have money on hand to live a life of generosity and blessing. And the gift that comes with that is being set free from worry. I'm not worrying about, can I pay for that at the end of the month? Listen, because I didn't even buy that thing to begin with. How many of y'all are like, I hate that bill? Some of y'all, you still paying for stuff you don't even have anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what, but this is what contentment can save us from. All right, how do we close the door on worry? Gotta change our language, gotta get content. Here's the third thing. We gotta trust God is our provider. Today, Jesus is giving us an invitation to bring our lifestyles back under control, right? I just, again, just go there with me, Matthew 6, as Jesus is talking here. Jesus does not say, hey, look at the bird supercar. No, he says, look at their nest, Look at, look, at, look at how God provides food for him. He doesn't say, hey, look at the flowers, vacation to Fiji. No, he says, look how colorful they are. Notice how heaven prioritizes different things. And, he's, and then Jesus even says this. He says, don't you think your life is, is much more than this? In other words, our life is actually somewhere along the line became about something that God doesn't even want our lives to be about. Most, many of our lives are about maintaining debt and trying to work and get the side thing to pay off that thing. And God's like, whoa, I didn't make you so you could pay off debt. Your life is so much more than these things, but you've fallen into the cycle. Now you're filled with worry. Now you're filled with stress. It's a simpler lifestyle because the real cost of our lifestyle in America is worry. It's the theft of peace. It's robbing us of generosity. And today, God is not trying to take away your enjoyment. God's trying to take away your worry. Because I say it like this, worrying about tomorrow is stealing life from us today. 
And there's, we know this, there's this current of anxiety in our world. When's the stock market gonna collapse? When's the layoff thing gonna happen? When's the war gonna break out? When's the bottom gonna fall out financially, right? And we're all panicked because we've, we've gotten into these, these debt lifestyles, right? That if the bottom falls out, we're all, we're all homeless. We know that. We know that, right? Because we've gotten ourselves in situations that maybe we weren't supposed to get into, right? But Jesus came to set us free from worry. Worry about tomorrow and worry about forever. And I think, I read this this last week. I think that when we get to heaven, one of the things that we're gonna be most embarrassed about is how much we worried. Like, come on guys, go there with me. When we finally like walk into God's presence and we see it all, I think we're gonna be like, oh, I'm sorry. I panicked. <laughs> like, why was I so worried? Cattle on a thousand hills belongs to you. You are Jehovah Jireh. Now I see it with my mind. Now I see it with my eyes. Like, you, you really are the provider. On, on our last um, vacation, Summer and I, uh, there was like a little patio um, out, and Summer does what Summer does best. She gives life wherever she goes to something. And so uh, every morning, summer we go get like a, a, a granola bar, break off like a third of it, crumble it up and throw it out. And then like one bird came and then like two birds came. And literally one morning we counted 15 birds. And I was like, I'm in a Hitchcock movie. Like this is about to turn <laughs> sideways really bad, okay? Be on my toes. Because the bird whisperer was there, right? <laughs> and I want you to think about this though in light of what Jesus says here in Matthew 6. Those birds did not wake up that morning worried. Because they knew, I'm just gonna go out and there will be provision somewhere. It may not be where it was yesterday. Even in their little bird brain, I think there's some connection of like, God will provide somehow. There was this simple trust that they had entered into this lifestyle, knowing that it was gonna work out. And little did they know, God had sent a saint to provide for them. <laughs> and it, connect these dots, okay? <clears throat> Not one of those birds was like, yeah. Your hands touch that, mm. right? Right, you remember that story that uh, in, in the Bible where Elijah's about to die and God sends food through ravens to him? Notice Elijah wasn't like, no, I'm waiting on God. God's like, no, bro, this is me. Like, this is how I'm doing it, right? I think some of us, we'd be drowning out in the ocean and a boat comes by and we're like, no, I'm waiting on God. God's like, the boat, I've seen it, right? We're waiting on God when God is sending miraculous provision on the left and on the right, right? And our, we're not called to judge it. We're not called to reject it. No, God provides in seemingly mysterious ways sometimes. And let me just say this, guys. I believe that God is providing right here in the church, and I believe that that's how God made it, to provide in the local church that you belong to, all right? So here's what I say. Here's one of God's provisions right here. We have budget coaches. Like, no, I'm waiting on God. No, listen, this is God's next step for you. 
Again, talk to a budget coach. Take a financial class. Join a small group. There are small groups here that, listen, one of the things that some of them do, they'll like babysit each other's kids on a Friday night and alternate date nights. Like there, there are small groups that, that I, I've seen, I've been a part of a small group like this before where one person has need and so the rest of the small group helps to provide for that. Or you have need and the rest of the small group helps to provide for that. Not in a manipulative way, but just in a way that God is providing. There are people here in this church, good godly people that you could find to be a roommate, to save money. Find a friend to, to share babysitting, whatever that is. Learning to receive blessings as God gives them. It may not look the way that you wanted it to look, but God's gonna provide because that's what he does best. Because I'm here to remind us of this today, guys. This is really important for us, okay? Is that birds and flowers are not made in God's image. Yet he takes care of them. Birds, Jesus doesn't say their heavenly father provides for them. He says, your heavenly father provides for them. Therefore, the Lord looks after the birds and the flowers, and he has no direct relationship with them. How much more will the same God take care of his kids who are so precious? Therefore, do not worry. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. <sighs> Father, I thank you that Jesus came and he took one of the biggest giants in our life and he punches it right in the nose. This giant of worry, of stress, of anxiety, particularly when it comes to money. And God, I thank you that Jesus has made a way for us to live without worry when it comes to money. God, I thank you that we can change our, our terminology. God, I thank you that we can live to be content. But God, I especially thank you that throughout all of these things, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees the needs of your people and provides for those needs. You are a good father. Come on, guys, just, just say law on that just for a second. You're a good father. I don't know, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know where, where, where you've been, where you came from, what your childhood was like. Maybe you didn't have a good father who provided well for the family. A good father provides for the needs of his family. And that's what God is. That's who God is. He's providing miraculously. In fact, God, I really just even pray that right now. God, I pray that you would miraculously bring for provision, water out of rocks, streams in the wilderness, manna, in the morning. God, checks in the mail. God, divine phone calls. God, for employment. God, raises promotions. God, I pray all those things. God, blessing upon blessing upon your people. And God, right beside that, Father, I pray a new season of contentment. God, to draw a circle and say, God, in, in most of the areas, God, we really do, at the end of the day, we have enough. And Father, I pray that, that there will be a new season of not overextending ourselves and building that and wanting that and lusting after that and God, have three of those, whatever that, God, may our hearts be content in the right places, knowing that we are loved by the Father. Mm. 
Hmm. And that we really do have enough. God, thank you that you're setting us free from worry today. In Jesus' name, worry about today, worry about tomorrow. And God, what makes all this possible is because Jesus already came and made a way that we wouldn't have to worry about forever. So right now, God, I thank you for the cross. God, I thank you that our sins were placed into the hands and the feet of the Son of God that you so love the world that you gave your only son, God, that rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of your son, God, that now we are washed and clean and sanctified and justified and made new, and we don't have to worry about forever. But God, even right now here and online, I, I know this, God, there's some of us who are worried about forever because our sins are still on us. We're not part of the family of God through faith in Christ. And so today, here's the good news, guys. In addition to what we're talking about with money, infinitely better than money is eternal life. And the door is wide open through Jesus Christ. Right now, you can come into life eternal through faith in Christ, through repentance of your sin, turning away from your old way and coming into God's way. And if that's you today, here's, here's what I simply wanna ask you to do. I want you to pray with me. And right here, this isn't like the finish line. This is actually the starting line of a new life with God. It's gonna begin taking the, the old and making it new that the old you's gonna die and the new you's gonna be born again. And it starts in this moment of faith. And so let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, I confess you were the son of God, died for my sin, and you rose again. You are Lord, you are God, and you're alive. So right now, I repent of my sin, of my greed, of my darkness, of my lust and my pride. I turn from it and leave it behind. And I step into your way of life. Today, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. You are my King and you are my Savior. You have my past you have my present and you have my future. The rest of my life is yours. Today, I'm becoming a disciple of Jesus. Use the rest of my life for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.